This week on the Green Door Podcast. Shh, keep this one to yourselves, but the professor isn't really good with secrets. We nitpick a bit about the best places in Middle Earth to picnic. We wonder if Muriel's experience birthing Fëanor is the real reason behind calling it labor. We compare Fëanor and Melkor, and we find out that they're more alike than they'd like to admit. As if Melkor wasn't goth enough already, we find out that he gets a new name. And guess what? It's even more goth. And Ads offers up, and I quote, good money to see that. All this and more, coming right up. guys outside enjoying the late summer air i see may terrific to see you and yes we are ads brought along some old toby and we're having a sniff before we go in to record excellent job on the bullet points ads thanks for those bullet points may um that's great um wait wait, what are you doing you're putting your coat on yeah i'll have to cut it short again this week but fear not fear not I brought you guys some goodies. Mm. Here you go. Well, thank you, May. You really shouldn't have, but we're awfully glad you did. You know how Ads gets with his Lembes bread. Oh, his Lembes bread. Um, Really sorry you have to be leaving us, May. Uh, Where is it you're off to this time? I'm going to Craig Nadoon. You know Mm. that outcrop of standing stones right beyond the Shire? Or is that not the right universe? Anyways... Do me a favor, guys. If ever you see a tall redhead looking for a Sassanach, just tell him I went that way. East? Yeah. If he doesn't find me, I'll find him. Yikes. Okay, well, we will keep our eyes open, May, and we will miss you. Uh, we'll miss you a lot. Definitely, definitely. Look, have a great, have a great, um, have a great week, May, and we'll, we'll see you next time. Keep your feet. Uh, the road goes ever on and on. Good night, May. Love to see you. We love you. Good night. Bye. Sing me a song of the last that is gone. Oh, well, she's great, isn't she? She's great. Oh, the best. The best. Yeah. And she, you know, even though she's so busy with uh, running a business and being a full-time mom, she still comes by to do our bullet points and drop off Lembest bread. Thank you, May. Yeah, Definitely. So how are you doing, right. buddy? I'm, I'm awesome. It seems like we did this more recently than usual, lads. <laughs> Do you know what? As I said, I think in, uh, in uh, Twitter or Facebook, we're, we're, like, we're like sprinting dwarfs at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That was good. And that <laughs> is how it feels. We do everything in short sprints. So uh, welcome, everybody, uh, again to Bag End this week. Uh, we stayed home. We like to venture out, and, uh, but we like to be home in this cozy little hobbit hole often as well. And we chose to come here tonight. Uh, to have our discussion, uh, to yeah. eat Lembes bread and sit by a fire. Speaking of which, Adam. Oh yes, I need to. Uh, I need to light this uh, this fire. So, wait. Oh, I just move move this log around there, and that should be perfect. Okay, All there right. it goes. While Ads does that, I will welcome everybody to Bag End this week for another episode of the Green Door Podcast. We're so happy uh, you gave us your time and your ear 
for another episode, and we'll try to entertain as best we can. I know Ads and I are excited to talk about this chapter. The deeper we get into the Silmarillion, uh, the more fun it is, and we get a little taste of the Tolkien of the professor. Excuse me, a little taste of the professor's talent for tragedy in this chapter. Ads, mm. it's a good one. Short again, but great. Yeah, no, it is good. It is, it's really good. And as you said, we you kind of really feel like you're into the story properly now. Um, there's there's a setting of the scene for the first few chapters, and you know what's this chapter six in the book, and y- you really are meeting key individuals, key players that are gonna, well, basically, you know, be part of the story for the rest of the book in some people's cases. Yeah, it's funny you say that. We're, it feels like we're into the story, and you're right. Uh, it feels like we've got the backstory set in the first several chapters, and now we're meeting the main players, which is yeah. exactly what this chapter six of Feanor and the Unchaining of Melkor is all about, one of the really you know, big main players. Um, and it's, and uh, just to your point, the first paragraph of this chapter is a complete uh, glancing over of thousands of years. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, peace is boring, so they sum that up quickly. But uh, we're not going to jump right into the <laughs> chapter just yet. Uh, we've got some other things to tidy up and talk about. Uh, a mailbag that needs diving into. Yeah. And some tea that needs pouring. So, Ads, uh, I'm going to go over there and, and pour some tea and cut some more of May's delicious Lembas bread. Oh, okay. And while I do that, why don't you get the uh, mailbag out and ready? Yeah, okay. What is, what is this tea, though? This, this looks interesting. Oh, this week uh, we're doing green tea with quince and ginger. It's delicious. Wait till you try it. I can't wait. That sounds superb. Yeah, that was a, a tip from a special listener. So um, I, I hope you enjoy it. It's, it's hot and it's delicious. And uh, it'll go nicely with uh, a, a roaring fire, which you've done a nice job on again with well, Buddy this week. Well, of course, of course. Yeah, uh, I hope there's enough seats for everyone. It, it seems like our little crowd is uh, a little less little than it was last time we did it. And every week it grows a little more. So welcome, everyone. Uh, make yourself at home. May brought lots of Lembest bread in the pantry, as always, is open to everybody. The Green Door uh, podcast leaves the Green Door open for all its listeners, and we hope you make yourselves at home. Before we start, I'm going to grab a bite from the pantry. Can I get anybody anything? Oh, James, uh, while you're in the pantry, uh, a little red wine. That'd be lovely, please. Of course, my friend. Anything to nibble on? Um, uh, and some raspberry jam. Uh, apple tart on the shelf, I think, on the left. Yes, sir. Good idea. Couple of little finger foods. Mince to, pies. Oh. Uh, two, three of them, maybe. Two or three. Are you hungry, Ads? Okay, no problem. Cheese, pork pie. And cheese and pork pies. Um, okay, I'm on it. No problem. Um, there's some salad, I think. Some salad. I'm sure there's some salad Ads. there. We talked about this. You don't make friends with salad, okay? Uh, cakes. We need cakes. Seed cakes. You do make friends with seed cakes, and we have lots of those. Okay, coming right up. Ale. Uh, ale. A jug of coffee. Would be good. Mm. No, you're not wrong there. Uh, coffee to wash it all down is a good idea. Okay. Um, oh, and uh, put on a few eggs. Uh, there's a good fellow. I'd be happy to make you some eggs, my friend. Uh, are you sure that's all? Cold chicken. Cold chicken. I didn't There's think some chicken so. There. Um, to wash that down, you want some pickles, don't you? And pickles, please. I knew it. Cheers, buddy. Hey, that is my pleasure. I offered. And if anybody else wants anything from the pantry, please help yourselves. Ads, have you got the mailbag handy? I have got the mailbag handy. Let's uh, let's reach in and see what we've got this week. Okay, so uh, nice and simple question. This is from Ezra. 
where in Middle Earth would you want to go for a picnic? Oh, James. I like simple questions like that. Those are yeah. fun. This is good. This is good. I There's so many good answers. I have answers. no idea, so I'm going to let you go first for this while I have a little think. Oh, thanks. I'll take the uh, <laughs> baton and I'll run with it. Um, I, it's funny because there are many beautiful picnic locations in Middle Earth that, I, that spring to mind. Uh, Bayorn's Garden, which yeah. is pro- maybe where I, I, I might start there and circle all the way back. That may be my final answer. But Bayorn's Garden would be just a perfect place to have a picnic, I think, if you weren't allergic to bee stings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, knew, and knew the owner of the property, of course. Um, and, you know, like uh, the Shire and, and uh, specifically anywhere near Bag End, or I, th- I think, or Hobbit- Hobbiton, probably you could find a really nice farm or field to have a picnic in. But then uh, instantly my mind started going, well, where else could, would be really cool to have a picnic? Like in the passes of the Misty Mountains, you know, to, to set up and have a, a, a lunch on a reasonable weather day. Um, yeah. Maybe not during a, a tremendous thunder and lightning storm. <laughs> Um, but you know, Those stone giants. Be, yeah, exactly. But a hike, <laughs> you know, you, you build up your appetite on a hike and then uh, set up for a, a delicious lunch with a view and the, the wind in your face. I don't know. I think, I think that could be pretty good as well. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good show. Yeah. Um, but nope, I'm going to circle back and I'm going I'm to go to my favorite place to, to live in Middle Earth, which I've answered before. Uh, and I'm going to say Bayorn's Garden. Because honey goes good with everything at a picnic. Well, our regular listeners know that Gandalf lightning strike uh, is used to correct mistakes. And when someone says, goes good with honey, a correction needs to be made. Sorry, Grandma. Goes well with honey. Everything at a picnic goes well with honey. Okay, that, that's, a, that's a very good answer. Um... I I think a, a betting man I would have I would have probably put a fiver on you saying that so uh, I obviously know you quite well now. Um, where would I go for a picnic? Okay, I think, and this is this is a personal um, love from childhood. I was lucky enough to grow up um, very near to Dartmoor, um, and for you know, those people who don't know Dartmoor, Dartmoor is is this huge uh, open moorland space, rocky uh, hills, rivers, the works. It's down in, in the southwest of, of England in Devon, and it is beautiful. And mm. it reminds me, or maybe the other way around, uh, Rohan reminds me of Dartmoor. It's If you think back to the film and uh, Aragorn and... Legolas and, and Gimli running uh, running after the orcs uh, to try and save Pippin and Merry. You saw that landscape that was very open and, and barren but beautiful, and there was rocks sort of strutting on the horizon. Oh, and I, yeah, no, out for of the sure. Ground. Beautiful, beautiful. And that is what Dartmoor's like. And so I would choose on top of one of the tours with a beautiful. Um, view across Rohan, I think that would be pretty perfect. Well, I can't fault that answer. And it's funny, I know you as well. I could have probably pegged that in in a few (laughs) guesses. And and we both went um, to Lord of the Rings locations. We did. There's plenty of locations. We could have gone, even in Lord of the Rings, we didn't talk about Rivendell or Lothlorien, which would make, uh, you know, amazing spots. 
But we also didn't we didn't do anything from the Silmarillion, like the original Garden of Lorien, Lorien's no, Garden, no. which would be a, probably a pretty nice place to have a picnic. Or even the tip of the island of Tol Erisea, uh, when the first flowers were about to bloom or blooming. That'd probably be a pretty nice place to have a picnic. Yeah, no, absolutely. Or, or like last week's show with the old uh, uh, Osse's surfing, surfing patch, you could probably find a, a rock or yeah. two to sit and watch that. But that's, that's too predictable for me. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, sometimes our predictability is what gives us our character ads. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, oh, great question. Thank you, Ezra. Um, we try to uh, get into at least one question every week in the mailbag, and I'm going to uh, let the listeners in behind the curtain here. I'm busting out a bag end uh, when we were finished recording tonight, and I'm, I'm running out to play softball. Big, uh, big important <laughs> game tonight. So we're only going to do one uh, mailbag question this week, but I know there's a few people who sent some in, yeah. and we'll get to your questions uh, next episode. Uh, all in due time. Okay. Good. Right. Well, Points of business, man. Points of business. We're moving through them. James, shall I mention a few new members to our Facebook group? As always, Facebook group is a fun place to be, so let's go there. Okay, so uh, we are recording quite soon after the last um, the last recording, but we do have three new members to Facebook. So there is uh, Brittany Kwan, Philip Law, and another Sarah, Sarah Hornby. Welcome, Brittany, Philip, and Sarah. Welcome to the group. Really nice to have you, and we hope uh, you're entertained and you find yourself uh, comfortable and well-fed. Indeed. All right. Oh, James, that's a lovely cup of tea. Mm. Oh, that's really hitting the spot. Yeah, uh, if I sound like I'm rushing, I hope I don't sound like I'm rushing. But if I do, it's because I'm aware uh, that I... I'm on my own personal clock tonight, so slow me down, ads, if, if I sound like I'm speeding through. I just want to get to this chapter. I know it it's is a good. good it's a good one. It's a good one. There's some really good stuff in here, so let's, let's dive in. Uh, I'm just going to give a quick uh, reminder. We do have a Facebook group, like we said, at uh, the Green Door Podcast, and we also have a Twitter account. You can find us at the Green Door Pod on Twitter, so uh, check us out and give us a follow. Great. Chapter 6. Of Feanor and the Unchaining of Melkor. Um, first point of business adds is, I, I want to sort of expand upon what I just said uh, in the intro there. Yeah. Speaking of intros, the awesome, amazing, incredible intro music that you heard on the way in, as always, is brought to us by our good friend at Beyond the Guitar, Nathan Mills. And if you haven't already, go and check out Nathan's YouTube channel at Beyond the Guitar because Nathan is an uber talent. Uh, who is totally worth your time. So uh, go be entertained after you're done listening to uh, this little show. Okay. Um, uh, of Feanor and the Unchaining of Melkor, <laughs> one thing that uh, I wanted to expand upon, like I was saying, is the idea that this very first paragraph covers a really long period of time. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, hundreds, thousands of years probably. And, you know, maybe most of the three ages that Melkor serves um, a, as his punishment, uh, a, a good deal of it anyways. So even though uh, this time sounds interesting to me, I'd love to hear more about it. Apparently the elves are living in uh, paradise. They're learning all these crafts and arts, and they're surpassing their masters and some of uh, the skills they're learning. And uh, blah, 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 apparently. We, we glance over that to get to the good stuff because apparently peace is boring. Right, Ed? Yeah, yeah no, and 
it's so true, and it's one of Tolkien's, um, you know, skills, I suppose. And he's he's done this before. He he covers a huge amount of time in just a couple of sentences, and it gives a very different view to the Silmarillion. The Silmarillion is, I think, as you know, we we said right at the start um, before Jeff was was a friend of ours. You know, we were talking of the Silmarillion being sort of blood and gore, and there was that fantastic passage that we read. And yeah. you actually, if you read between the lines, there's years and years and years and years of happiness and joy. And <laughs> it's true. It's just it's glanced glory. over because it's yeah. not the good parts. And and to that point, though, plenty of readers to go through these two chapters and are like, okay, where's Melkor? That guy was interesting. Let's yeah. <laughs> let's get back to Melkor. So, you know, like, uh, I, I guess violence sells, uh, as, as we sort of touched on a little bit um, with the Amazon series when we talked about it last show. Sure. Um, we, you know, everybody likes, everybody likes the, uh, the peace and the bliss, and it's nice and all that, but, like, let's get to the good stuff. So uh, we, we fit a paragraph. Love, we all love the yeah. baddie, don't we? We all love the baddie. We do. Everybody loves yeah. a bad boy. Yeah. Not May, though. May not May. Not the bad boys. No. Um, uh, so they glance over all that peace and happiness and time of prosperity and, and learning and, and development of crafts and great things. Uh, and during that time, we're introduced to basically the most important um, elf ever, I think. I think he's the most important elf ever. Um, yeah. It's arguable, or is it even arguable? As- well, I think he's probably the most influential I guess most important when I say that, I mean most important, uh, maybe not in history of Middle Earth, but most important to this particular book and the de- stories no, de- that unfold. Definitely, definitely. I mean, we, the things he achieves, um, they are they are great. That there, there's a lot of a lot of bad in what then happens as a result, but he achieves greatness. Oh my goodness, he achieved some of the greatest things ever. Everything he does is like the greatest. Uh, mm. So much so that uh, what we're about to talk about um, is how he comes into the world. Great, you know, greatness like this, unique greatness, doesn't just uh, have a, a casual birthing story, and his is, is quite extraordinary. So mm. right, at the, right, right at the beginning, um, we find out that uh, Finway, who's his father, um, has his first child, and the mother, Miriel, um, basically, uh, she gets drained, uh, consumed by the birth. The birth takes so much energy from her, it, it, it leaves her depleted. So let, let's, let's read a little bit. I'm going to read a uh, uh, first little bit and then adds, uh, who should probably read everything in the book, but adds will read a longer <laughs> chapter in just a minute. But it says, uh, <clears throat> But in the bearing of her son, Muriel was consumed in spirit and body. And after his birth, she yearned for the release from the labor of living. And when she had named him, she said to Finway, Never again shall I bear child, for strength that would have nourished the life of many has gone forth into Feanor. So, yeah, basically uh, takes the energy of, of ten elves uh, out of her to, to give birth to, uh, to Feanor and leaves her, leaves her uh, basically for dead. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you want to chime in on, on sort of like? No, I, I was just going to say, like, you know, she calls, she she calls him 
Feanor, spirit of fire. And when I read that sentence about being consumed in spirit and body, it's as if he burnt the life out of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's quite a powerful, that's quite a powerful sort of image, but also to to relinquish an elf's wish to live um, through the birth of of her son is quite is quite massive, really. It is. It's uh, yeah. It leaves her for dead, and it goes on. Uh, we're not going to read the whole chapter. We could, and it's short enough. But it goes on to say that that uh, leaves her for dead. She has to go and heal uh, in Lorien's garden, and yeah. even then, uh, she just never recovers. And even though her husband, who loves her, you know, with all his heart, goes to to visit her uh, and, and care for her, and she's sort of in the, the place of healing, mm. uh, she can't recover. And eventually, her spirit leaves her body and, and ends up in the halls of Mandos. So. Yes, it's tra- it's really sad and tragic. It is, it is tragic, and and that's probably a, a good link to what I was going to say. Um, in my area of work, I'm for my sins. I'm a solicitor, and I deal with a particular <laughs> yeah particular area of law. For my sins, <laughs> I do I do wills and I do powers of attorney, um, and so I deal with with some quite sad aspects, I, I suppose. Um, and when I read that paragraph about how uh, Finway would visit her and visit her again and, you know, continue to go back and, and still there was no change. And after a while, he went to Laurie and no more. Now, I have clients who horribly, tragically, you know, husbands or wives have dementia. And they they don't remember the family anymore, and it's horrible. And so you're sat there, and you're you're sort of helping out the the wife or the husband who is still trying to deal with things, and their partner of many many years is in a care home and can't remember them. You know they, you know, they have no no memory of, of what they look like, who they are, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I've had conversations Awful. with with these individuals. And they say the same thing, that the person they, they loved, they, they've died. And it's just mm-hmm. the shell of the person left. So mm-hmm. the, spirit, the spirit has died. Um, and that's what I thought of when I read that passage. That I wonder if, if he experienced something like that you know, I wonder, in his yeah. life. And, and, uh, and that's, that's his shout, or that's sort of how it came out. Through his through his writing, because uh, you can imagine somebody's mother going through that, or or yeah. somebody's wife eventually, or sister, or aunt, yeah. Because it's a massive buzzword now. It's one of the things that people are very big on dementia mm-hmm. and Alzheimer's. But back when Tolkien was writing the Silmarillion, or you know the ideas for the Silmarillion, that probably wouldn't have necessarily had a you know a name or or the same understanding, but people would still have had dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, no, exactly, for sure. Yeah, and it, that, that, that's, that's the connection I made, and it's horrible. Um, but, well, you know. I mean, horrible. I mean, it's, that's the applicability in this, in this chapter. And when I, I, said, I said at the beginning of, of the episode, I said it's, we get a little taste for Tolkien's talent for tragedy, mm. uh, alliteration intended. 
Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. You know, so if it it reminds you of something tragic in in reality, then that's just because he's a good writer, I think. I'd agree. You, you, um, you mentioned something as well, didn't you, about how uh, Muriel was quite uh, quite wise in yeah, she's in her got words. She's got some some uh, farsight, I would say. She knows. It's, you know, we get the idea that Fanor, there's something to him um, in this story of how he consumed his mother and his birth. But she goes on to say before she dies. Uh, but hold me blameless in this and in all that may come after. Um, so she's, yeah. she knows something you know, big is, is in his future and uh, it may or may not be all good. Um, and something I wanted to point out, Ads, that you said okay. about you know, how it reminded you of, of Melkor a little bit, uh, the idea that she was consumed and, and it was like a, a fire burned yeah. her. Yeah. Um, you also uh, get uh, not too far later. It says, uh, "All his love thereafter." The speaking of uh, Finway, all his love thereafter he gave to his son. This is after she dies, uh, and Feanor grew swiftly, as if a secret fire were kindled within him. Again, yeah. fire. Yeah. I mean, who's the association with fire, right? Absolutely. No, that, I- that that drawn imagery. That's that's not accidental. I think he's drawing parallels there between. Um, Melkor and Feanor and there's isolation is another one that we see uh, as he gets a little bit older we'll talk about yeah and and also what I and you know we will probably touch on this later on as well but there are connections being made between Feanor and Melkor in in our view but actually (laughs) they hate each other I mean there is no there is no trying to be Melkor Feanor absolutely despises him and um, he still shares the same pride, envy. Do you know, <laughs> do you know when you hate somebody, when you, somebody drives you really nuts? Yeah. And you know, it's part of what drives you so nuts about them is because you know that they've just got bigger, bolder <laughs> uh, qualities of the ones you don't like in yourself. They're like bigger, they're caricature. I, I know of one person in specific that I'm thinking of. That's just, he's got some qualities that are caricature qualities of the ones I don't like in myself, and it makes me really dislike him sometimes. <laughs> no, nail on head. Absolute nail on head. Um, yeah. Could not agree more. Um, so, yeah, no, I think Fe- they are awfully alike, and that's part of uh, what probably makes Feanor hate Melkor. And Melkor hates all elves, just in general. They're, they're too beautiful, and the, the things that they make are too nice, and he wants all their gems, and... Yeah, and he, he also he he blames them, doesn't he? Or he sees them as the reason why he absolutely he's, he is, and he's probably by, right. <laughs> yeah, they are they are probably the reason. Although his you know of course he'd never look in the mirror and and, and recognize that his actions are probably the reason. <laughs> um, but but he does blame the elves certainly. Oh, beautiful cup of tea, James. Really, really good. Tell you what, James, you cannot be a good cup of tea. Podcast, good talk amongst friends, and a lovely oh, cup of char. Perfectly put. Yeah. All right. Uh, so yeah, she she dies tragically, uh, and well, uh, Feanor grows up, and we we learn that as he's growing up, he's just. He's super uh, advanced 
in mind, uh, uh, he says he's the subtlest in mind, in fact, uh, of all the elves, and uh, most talented in hand, uh, gifted in hand, swiftest in hand. Yeah. uh, Something like that. Gets that from his mother, uh, and just really, really um, yearns and excels uh, at everything, athletically, um, artistically, uh, and he, he develops some things even at a young age. And one of the things I wanted to talk about that it says that he develops is, is the first uh, writing. So we yes. can thank Feanor for the first uh, elvish writing. And I wondered, Ads, do you think, because it says he did it uh, as a young elf, and that's all relative, <laughs> granted, <laughs> um, but I wonder if that's a shout to the, himself, uh, Tolkien making up a bunch of languages uh, when he was a kid. Uh, yeah. You know, probably inventing letters and stuff. I wonder if, if that's sort of like a shout to himself that Feanor did that in his youth. That that could could easily be, couldn't it? I mean, there, there's well, we know Tolkien's huge, you know, huge language. Uh, you know, the the Elfish language that that he he developed amongst other things. That's a that's a great shout. You've got you know this this super elf who, as you said, devises letters. That, that bear his name, and um, that could well be a little a little um, nod to himself. Yeah, he must have had really fond memories of doing that as a kid, I would imagine, and sort of like working it into the book might have been a smile that he gave himself. Yeah. Um, the, other, the other thing, too, there are a few shouts in this chapter, and it glances, it's, it says in the previous chapter, I believe it says he's responsible for building the Palantir, uh, the seeing stones, the seven seeing stones that we get a, a taste of in the Lord of the Rings books and movies. But in this chapter, it, it gl- sort of just, you know, uh, glides by them. And if you're not paying attention, you could easily miss it. But it, it says, um, the first gems Fanor ever made were white and colorless, but being set under starlight, they would blaze with blue and silver fires brighter than Heliun. Now, uh, Heliun, excuse me. And the crystals he made also, wherein things far away could be seen, small but clear, as with eyes of the eagles of Manway. I love For that. For sure, that's in reference to the Palantir. I love yeah. that. No, I, lo- I love the, the last bit, the eyes of the eagles of Manway. I, it, you know, it's you, great. You, you think of the Palantir, and my mind immediately goes to, you know, to Pippin. And um, again, you, ju- you just see the, you see the creation. You see the, the point where that first becomes part of the story. And yep. All those pages later, you know, it, it's something that forms part of, you know, our favorite book. So it's great. Hey, yeah, Pippin Pip ain't easy. So <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, so a couple great shouts there that I wanted to stop as uh, and, and mention before we continued on to what you're going to read next. Uh, yes. So yeah, we, we know we learned that Fe- Feanor. Uh, is is a great gem maker, and they, they he figures out how to make stones. It says much more poetically than I'll summarize now, but it says, you know, he he figures out how to make gemstones much more beautiful than the ones that you find in the earth uh, that hold light and radiate and stuff like that. Um, and then it says about the Palantir, and goes on to say he, you know, he's just really good at everything and excels at everything. Um, yeah, uh, you're going to read something next that introduces. I'll, I'll let you read it. We'll talk about what it introduces. Okay. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Why, why don't I, I set the scene by saying that basically after Muriel has 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 died, after she's gone to the Halls of Mandos, um, in time, Finway, so Feanor's, Feanor's dad, he remarried. 
and he married someone called Indis the Fair, and she was actually a Vanyar, um, very, very beautiful. Married up. Um, sorry, James? He married up? Yes, he did, yeah. He, he, married, he married, in theory, the, the higher class of, of, of elf, and they actually had, they had two sons, uh, Finn Golfin um, and Finn Arfin. So, you know, big names that we'll, we'll learn about uh, in, in future chapters. Lots of Finns, but uh, <laughs> Finn Golfin is ex- just one of my absolute favorites. Yeah. He's, got, he's got a great uh, art. He really does. He really does. So th- that, that's the sort of the, the scene. But there is no love from Feanor for either, either the mother-in-law or the, yeah. you know, the brother-in-laws. He doesn't really... He doesn't like that dad remarried. No. He's unhappy. He doesn't hang out with his brothers. That was the um, isolation I talked about. It mentions that he doesn't really hang out with his new brothers. He just isolates himself and... Yeah, a little like Melkor, and uh, yeah. So the and Ads is about to read uh, what comes after the wedding, which was not pleasing to Feanor. No. So, in those unhappy things which later came to pass, and in which Feanor was the leader, many saw the effect of this breach within the house of Finway, judging that if Finway had endured his loss and been content with the fathering of his mighty son, the courses of Feanor would have been otherwise and great evil might have been prevented, for the sorrow and the strife in the house of Finway is graven in the memory of the Nordorian elves. But the children of Indis were great and glorious, and their children also, and if they had not lived, the history of the Eldar would have been diminished. So, that's Love. pretty much saying, isn't it, that, look, yes, Finway could have... He could have done what some might say is the right thing, and 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 not have remarried because you know that that's a that's a massive thing. And what I would say to anyone listening here is, me and James will not do anywhere near as good a job as what uh, the boys at the Prancing Pony did about this chapter. You need to go mm-hmm. and check them out and listen to their views about this particular chapter here and about why it was quite a a big thing for. Um, Finway to to take another wife. You know, elves were meant almost to, unheard it of. Is. Elves were meant to marry and were meant to stay together. And the idea, actually, that Finway never had a mother figure, possibly could explain maybe how he he turned out. You know, it, Feanor never had a mother figure. Feanor, uh, definitely. I think that's part of it. And and it you know it, it basically says it's suggesting that if if he'd just been a father and not gone out and found a new girlfriend and yeah. And then caused the jealousy that that caused, the strife in the household, which pushed Feanor to be what he became. Um, but I love, I love basically this little summary that you read yeah. is Melkor, Mel, excuse me, Melkor's role um, encapsulated. Yeah, uh, it's the idea of the music being more beautiful for being disrupted. Yes, it yes. says like maybe they could have averted some tragedy, but, but the world was better yeah. for this union and the line that came of it. Yeah. So you you know Tolkien has is, is pretty um, true to the idea that you need uh, tragedy and chaos and bad things to happen in order to enrich the world and make it a overall beautiful and better place. Yeah, a great, amazing things, great people, great places. I mean, look, Gondolin, uh, some of the descendants of you know Fingolfin and Finarfin, great people, great places. They would never have existed 
if Finway had not remarried. So there was a real sl- there's right. a sliding doors moment there. There's a kind of if this happens or actually if this happens. And um And I wonder if if Feanor would have gone on to do the things he did if he didn't have this jealousy rivalry thing with his brothers. Like yeah. I'll show. Yeah. You know like that would push someone. That that'll that's a drive. You hear these stories of how these CEOs made it to where they are because they, you know, Enzo Ferrari springs to mind. <laughs> Um, basically, Ferrari's as successful as is as successful as it is. Maybe it's not Enzo; it might have been his one of the Ferraris um, <laughs> and Lamborghini were huge rivals. Yeah, so much so they hated each other so much yeah. that they built these mega corporations to spite each other. You know, and and it's more complicated than that. But the idea that that kind of motivation of of spite and jealousy, um, I think, is is a valid one. And so the idea that. Feanor was driven to, to accomplish greater things uh, because of his brothers mm. and because of the new marriage, mm. I, th- I think is probably a, a valid one too. No, I agree. And it'd be, I, could, I could chuck another name in, in the mix there. You know, what, what happens to Melkor's arc if Feanor never creates, That's true. creates certain things? You know, where does That's his true. arc go? So yeah, yeah. Uh, and and some some of the greatest adventures and most heroic deeds ever performed um, become a non-issue because there's no recovery yeah. of of Silmarils. Yeah. So but yeah, uh, we're we're obviously skating a little bit here and trying not to to get too far ahead. But I think <laughs> the the point that um, that a lot of really important things come um, because of this uh, is a really strong one. So that's why we stopped and paused here and read that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's and it's funny. It's like the author sort of giving you a, a little uh, preview moment as well. He's saying, uh, "By the way, unhappy things are coming." Because it says in uh, no, it says in those unhappy things. Yeah, in those in unhappy things which later came to pass. So he's warning you. He's like, misery and and bad stuff is is uh, gonna come of. This. And he does that all the time, doesn't he? he he's almost every single chapter. He's telling you about something that's about to happen. He's the worst at keeping secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but somehow he, he, it's it, his. Talent to surprise is not in unknown information. It's it's uh, time, timing and circumstance. Like you, for some reason, you're still on the edge of your seat when <laughs> yes. you read some of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, even though you sort of saw it coming. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. I agree again. Um, so yeah. So now, even while Feanor was uh, the craftsman of the Noldor and working really hard, um, and all this was going on, and here's the word: the noontide of Valinor was drawing to its close. Yeah. Uh, Ads and I both paused on that word noon tide the power of words eh? indeed i mean it's just water again isn't it it's 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 another little little nod to you know this powerful symbol throughout the book i i love it and they've tied the music um to the water they said the element of water held the music longest and in that word that compound word noon and tide they've now tied 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 (laughs) they've now attached um, noon and tied together, time and water together. So I just, I don't know, I, to me it's, it jumped out when I read it, uh, uh, what a well-chosen word that is. Yeah. Um, and Ads and I, if it sprung out of both of us, it was worth stopping on, the noontide. Uh, but yeah, the noontide's over. Basically, uh, the bliss is about to end. And the end of this chapter talks about how Melkor's um, time to be... Uh, judged again, his three ages that he served is up. Yes, and I'm I'm and really so hoping. Take it from there. I'm really hoping, James, that you've put some epic, uh, threatening music into the background, round about sort of ten seconds ago. It'll be really cheesy, though. It'll be the, the <laughs> maybe that one. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> um, 
yeah, take it, take it from there. Uh, Melkor is uh, is due up. So how's that go, Ed? Okay, well, not everyone is in agreement. Um, yeah, bless him, Manway. Uh, <laughs> bless him like he's a child. <laughs> I, 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 not fond of him is the wrong the wrong word, but he. He's free from evil, and he cannot comprehend it, and it causes no end of trouble. He He's innocent like a child in that yeah. way. I guess that there is some, some truth to that connection. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. But he he basically, he says to, to Melkor, okay, fair enough. You've, 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 <laughs> you've, you've done your time. You can, you can come out of, of the jail now. And um, not everyone's in agreement. It says Mandos is, is silent, and uh, it says... Later on, that Olmo was not deceived, and it goes on to pretty much describe Tolkus wanting to smash his head in um, as he's walking around. Because they let him walk; they basically just let him walk around. I gotta, pa- I gotta stop you there. Go on then. Because I, as I was reading this, I was wondering, and I don't know the answer, and I, I could look it up. Um, I could have looked it up before the show, and I may, I may just after, or I may let one of the listeners, like Sean or Jeff or Olga or somebody smarter than me who's everybody who listens <laughs> um pep or i could go on and on sarah or sarah or now you've got to say all of them yeah that's sarah this sarah, is going to be challenging um, there's 91 <laughs> <laughs> yeah but half of them are sarah so. <laughs> well we did look it up or rather uh, we asked uh, some of our friends and jeff got back to me first uh, thanks jeff and so did sean um of the mark himself sean marchese but uh Basically, the idea had to do with uh, the timing of when Melkor, or Morgoth, uh, got stuck in his dark, evil form, because he does get stuck in it at some point. Unfortunately for me, uh, what I'm about to talk about holds no water, because uh, he wasn't yet stuck in that form, and obviously had to appear in fair form in order to uh, seduce the elves. Um, but I'm going to leave it in anyways, and maybe you'll get a laugh uh, at the funny idea, which we now find out holds no water, because if you read something like the Silmarillion uh, a couple of times and you have a brain like mine, uh, it's easy to forget the sequence of events. So uh, there's the correction, and we'll get you back to the conversation. So, so I'm wondering, yeah, he's wandering around and he's being contrite. Apparently he says, you know, let me be the, the least of all the beings in Valinor and I'll help everybody yeah. out. And, you know, if, if you let me be free, I can be really helpful because I know stuff. And I'm wondering what he looks like. Like, is, isn't he stuck in that monster, horf, horrific, terrifying, horrible form? And it's, if so, isn't that a hilarious to picture? Like, hey, can I help you with that? <laughs> like this. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe he was able to take a, a fair, um, a fair uh, body like Anatar, like you know, uh, Sauron well, does. Has he? Uh, at one point, I wasn't sure. Has he now lost the ability to change form? Because at first, when when they all descended, they had the ability to to wear their appearance like clothes, didn't they? Like a raiment, um, yeah. But he loses that ability at some point. I'm pretty sure. I, I think he does. Yeah, because he he pours his evil into the things he creates. Just the idea to me is funny. If he's a monster walking around being like, "Can I help you with your groceries?" I reckon. I reckon he's just got a really big hood. I hope so <laughs> for him, an elvish hood that really hides yeah. him well. Good stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that stood out at me as uh, maybe a funny uh, image, but. Um, I'm sure there's an explanation or someone will, someone will correct me or you can laugh along if you've never thought of that before <laughs> and 
now realize that that Melkor was going around looking hideous and trying to be kind. Yeah, of and he is. He's, it is. It's all an act, isn't it? He he he's been freed, but as uh, as soon as he is free, in fact, I think the moment that he's being judged, he is. He's seeing the elves. He's seeing the the wonderful jewels. He's jealous. He's envious. He right he, away he wants all, all of those, those things. All of it's yeah, burning. And, and straight away, he makes the decision. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bide my time. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep friendly with people. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know help to carry the shop in and all this. I'm going to suck up. <laughs> but ultimately, he's there trying to find a way to to gain control again or to, to, to get what he wants. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, it's funny. I, I, they make a point of mentioning when he's released because he spent all this time um, in isolation. He doesn't know about these new jewels. No. You know, I don't even think he knows about jewels of the earth. Those are discovered while he's locked up. So jewels of the earth he hasn't even And remember, seen. he's also... And then on top of that... He, he gets these these beautiful new ones that that are invented or discovered or fabricated by yeah. Feanor, which are even more beautiful. And it it makes a point to mention he lusts after them. He does, season. and and that's that's a really good point. And it's probably aided by the fact that you know he's been locked away. He's he's been he's been sort of captured. We we've forgotten about him to a certain extent. It's been a couple of chapters now, and as we touched on right at the start of this, that first opening paragraph. There's a huge amount of time of of bliss and happiness, and it's all been created by the elves who have now joined uh, the Valar, you know, in a man. And um, as James said, Melkor's come out of captivity now, and this is is a whole new wonderful world that he sees, and and envy takes over. Yeah, you're right. We sh- that's a good thing to mention. He comes out and sees that the, the firstborn are, are alive and well mm. and prospering in Valinor. Paradise is, is blooming, yeah. literally, and, uh, and he, he yeah, hates he it does. all. It just drives him absolutely. He's like, not only did I lose, but like they've, they've done this to, to the world without me, and I've had no part of it, and I either I want to own it mm. or destroy it. Mm. Yep. Uh, and that's sort of how the chapter really ends. I mean, they, they tell us that he's biding his time and he's plotting and he's being nice and he's, he's, uh, he is helpful, of course, because he wants, you know, he's trying to gain people's favor and he's trying to probably have people owe him favor. So he, and he is very knowledgeable and extremely talented. He's the most gifted of, of all of his brethren, at least at the beginning he is. Um, so he's an incredible useful, incredibly useful yeah. asset while he's, tr- you know, sucking up and trying and to And I nice. think it's important, James, to, to say that of all the, the you know the three brethren of ours, he he sucks up. He's more successful to um, the Noldor than than either of the the Teleri or, or uh, the Vanyar. It's the Noldor who he really makes that connection with, I suppose. Yeah. And it sort of makes sense in the sense that they're noted, I think, as as the most interested in making yeah. stuff. And and Melkor was really good at making stuff, along with mm. Ole, who they also had great interest in. Did, what um, do you think about the uh, the section right at the end where it says that actually Melkor he almost lies about how he had taught Feanor. Um, he 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 taught Feanor much art from him in secret. Um, and that Feanor had been instructed by him in the greatest of all his works. Um, and then it says, but he lied in his lust and his envy, for none of the Eldali ever hated Melkor more than Feanor, son of Finwë, who first named him Morgoth. 
Yeah, I think, and that's great, yeah. eh? Um, what a great way to end it. I think it's it's just showing the parallel to me, anyways. I see just a, a great parallel there. While you know, Feanor's lying about how he really feels in order to gain something, yeah. an advantage, yeah. uh, and Melkor at that same time is doing exactly that same thing. He's lying about his true intentions to gain something to his advantage, and it just parallels the two of them. Really no, it nicely does, there. doesn't it? And I love that. I love that introduction of Morgoth. Um, another thing he gives us, uh, another credit uh, to Feanor. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, the the everlasting name of, of, well, arguably the biggest bad in the whole of um, Tolkien's um, legendarium. Yeah, I have, peop- I have heard people argue that Sauron eventually sort of surpasses him in evil and grand, grand evilness, but I don't think so. In my mind, Melkor... Morgoth is always going to hold the number one rank. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny you should say that because I think for someone that has only really in the last sort of year or so taken on board the, the stories in the Silmarillion and linked that then to books that I've read years and years and years, you know, over and over and over, Sauron was always the big bad and now someone's come along and shown me that there's somebody that was his boss now, um, right. I think Sauron to me is still probably the one that I associate with 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 sort of the most evil. I, I see, in a little way, I see Melkor a, a bit of a pathetic individual sometimes. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I, can, I, mean, I, I know what you're saying. You yeah. can pity him, and and you don't really ever pity no, Sauron. No, but that's a we'll good see. point. We'll see. I'm excited to see future chapters and to really get into, um, well, more goth. I love it. Um, great metal band. I'm sure there's, that's got to be like the most used name for a garage uh, metal and death metal band for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's got to be a, that's got to be a question sometime, isn't it? Okay, uh, we did it. Ads. We somehow we made it Brilliant. all the way through this chapter, which I wasn't sure if we were going to. It was short. Um, but there was a lot to talk about. Is there I anything know. you want to double back on that I, because I tend to go fast and I get excited talking about this stuff, so I speed along. But did uh, I cover over anything too quickly for you, Ads? No, it was good. It was good. The only thing I wondered whether I should bring up, and it's it's actually um, a little bit of a link to any sort of Harry Potter fans out there. I wonder what I wonder what people think um, with Feanor and. Voldemort, how you've got these two very, very strong individuals who have have done great things. I think there's actually a there's a um, a part of the, the Harry Potter book where I think um, they talk of Voldemort as as someone that terrible things, but great things nonetheless. And that's very much what I think Feanor could possibly be connected with. So I just would be interested to see what people thought if, if, if they agreed that there was a bit of a connection between, you know, maybe Feanor and, and Voldemort in how the characters I love that, Ads. I love the cross uh, interconnecting of, of uh, fandoms and worlds and stories. So, yeah, great, great point. And uh, I'm not, I haven't read uh, through the Harry Potter stuff. I will one day. When, I'll do it with my kids when they're the right age. They're really good. Yeah. They're really good. I'm looking forward to hearing what Caitlin, especially, what she thinks. Our, 
Ring bearer, Caitlin. I'm glad oh, you brought up her bearer. name. How are you doing tonight? Yeah. I'm glad we, we get to mention her. Uh, our ring bearer should be receiving her ring uh, any day now. I haven't uh, I haven't gotten the confirmation on the tracker, but it's probably this week, Caitlin. So uh, hope, hopefully uh, it fits because it's one of those magic rings that should adjust to the size of the finger that you put it on. Result. Um, ads. This was always fun. Um, yes, James, definitely. It, it's always really good to do this with you, buddy. Uh, it's yeah. always a good time. May was missed, as she always is. But, yes. Uh, well, that's the way it goes when you're as busy as she is fighting Balrogs and, and whisking in and out <laughs> of town to, uh, to drop off uh, baked goods. She's just terrific. She is one busy girl. All right, buddy. Uh, let's give okay. some shouts to some of our friends. Okay, James. Uh, while you sign off, uh, will you say thanks to everyone? Um, I'm just going to go run the bath. Yeah. Okay. While you do that... I want to first uh, say hi to the boys at Tumbling Saber. I always stop on these guys, usually do them first because Kyle and Corey have a special place in my heart. And now Carlos and Corey are over there killing it on the Tumbling Saber and they uh, are really entertaining and super fun to listen to. And so I like to plug these guys. If you like Star Wars at all, um, these guys are entertaining and enlightening and have something for everyone. Yeah. The Commonwealth as a whole is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and Tumbling Saber, uh, definitely worth checking out. So please go check out Chop Rules with a Z and uh, <laughs> Kyle at Tumbling Saber uh, on Twitter and uh, Facebook. And t- tell them we sent you. Do. Yeah, please, t- please, someone, please, someone tell Chop Rules with a Z that I sent you with a Z. Yes. That'd be amazing. That would be good. Be great. I'd, I'd, I'd actually pay good money to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cool. Uh, you t- you do one. All right. Okay. So, well, I you know I, I briefly mentioned them before, but I, I'll say it again because they are brilliant at what they do. Uh, the Prancing Pony podcast again. It's it's different to ours. Um, there's a, a very sort of detailed aspect, I think, to to their episodes. They just do a very very good job. So, if you haven't checked them out, I would recommend it. Um, that's the Prancing Pony podcast. It's uh, Alan and Sean, and um, yeah, I think they're are they on the Hobbit now, possibly. Yeah, they're terrific. I'm way behind because uh, they've got I don't know a year head start on us. But um, every every time I listen to them, I learn something new. Yeah. They're really well informed and super articulate. And uh, and Sean's, Sean's the opposite, in our the Facebook of the group, show. isn't he? I mean, Sean uh, often pipes in and has sort of conversations. Uh, really, he's really great. nice he's guys. Su- they're really accessible. They're really, really good guys. Yeah, really they nice are. Guys. They are. Uh, cool. So we did the Prancing Pony. Next, I'll move on and plug uh, our good friend Jeff LaSala. Uh, Jeff's got the Silmarillion primer going on. We're uh, following along on his heels. Well, no, he's left us in the dust now, but we can still see him in the distance. <laughs> um, and his primer is just fabulous, fantastic. It's a... I love the way, what I love about reading Jeff's stuff, and I'm glad we're friends with him now, but when we started this podcast, I was just as enamored with his stuff um, and, and blown away by how he was able to contextualize and modernize and bring the story and the characters and, and describe them in a way that was super relatable uh, with pop culture references and great humor and great wit. So uh, yeah, definitely check out Jeff LaSala, anything he writes, and especially his Silmarillion Primer. Definitely, definitely. Yep, uh, I'll do another one because I've got her name uh, right in front of me here and I'm still sipping on some green tea with quince and uh, ginger. Be sure to check out our friend Olga Polishmova who writes uh, beautifully 
And most recently, she wrote about Muriel, whose uh, tragic uh, story is beautiful to read. And her take on it is, is just fantastic. And so check out uh, everything that she does and find her on Twitter at Melody Muse. Thanks, Olga. Yeah, no, I second that. And there's just there's some really you know great people in our little Facebook group. Um, I, I could start naming names, but again, I'd have to name all 91 because you're you're all brilliant. Uh, it's just such good fun um, on a on a daily basis having sort of conversations with you all. Um, so yeah, more of the same, please. Uh, yeah, absolutely more of the same. And at this point, we'll have to thank our very good friend, Harry Merle, uh, for the excellent outro music you're hearing uh, in your earballs right now. Uh, Harry's music can be found over on YouTube under his name, H-A-R-R-Y, uh, Harry Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L. Uh, and his stuff is just fantastic, so go check him out. Um, so good night, everybody. This is it. We're, uh, we're leaving. We're locking up Bag End. If you want to crash, there are plenty of beds. Uh, if you are making your way out, I'm going to warn you to take a left uh, down at the fork uh, by the mill because the storm last night adds uh, just completely washed out the road. Oh, yeah, it was bad, wasn't it? Really bad. It kept me up all last night. That was terrible. Um, yeah, um, old Gamgee, I think, is uh, yeah, he's got a bit of a job on to uh, fix his uh, back gate. Oh, quite a job. He's been looking for uh, wooden fence posts all over the village as well. <laughs> But um, I digress. Uh, make sure you turn left at the mill and have yourselves a great evening. Uh, thank you for stopping by. We love having you. We did. And good night to my beautiful wife, Marie-France, and my three beautiful children who allotted me the time to do this. Caleb, Eleanor, and Oliver. Daddy loves you. Ads? Oh, well, I'm going to say thank you to uh, my beautiful wife, Sophie, and uh, to my gorgeous three, Charlie, Sebastian, and Martha. Perfect. We'll end it there. Good night, Ads. Night, James. is the whole like Mandos was silent Ormo was not yeah. deceived Tolkus basically wanted to kill him um, <laughs> yeah and Man was like I think we're good guys yeah <laughs> Bubbles, check. Steaming hot water, check. Rubber duck, check. This is going to be good. Ah, how could I forget? Bilbo's favourite bath song. Sing hey for the bath at close of day That washes the weary mud away A loon is he that will not sing I water hot is a noble thing Ah, sweet is the sound of falling rain And the brook that leaps from hill to plain But better than rain or rippling streams Is water hot that smokes and steams Ah, 
water cold we may pour at need Down a thirsty throat to be glad indeed But better is beer if drink we lack And water hot poured down the back Oh, water is fair that leaps on high And a fountain white beneath the sky But never did fountain sound so sweet As splashing hot water with my feet